The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Our scripture reading today is from Proverbs 18.24 and Acts 2.42-37. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had needs. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. <clears throat> Thank you, Mary Linda, for reading that passage of Scripture. Um, and thanks for, I don't mean to single you out, but thanks for the way you have served us, Mary Linda. Mary Linda makes our communion bread um, every week uh, is, is and the food for the fall fiesta, but she has a, uh, a touch on every service that we've had for a year now. Uh, and it's, I love it. I'm so thankful. Um, I, I'm Russ Ramsey. If we haven't met, uh, I'm the pastor here at Christ Presence Cool Springs location. And this morning, I have, I have the opportunity to be preaching at the Old Hickory location as well. So I've been bouncing back and forth. So before this service is over, I'm going to cut out and head back and preach for the third time the same sermon. And uh, this is kind of just as I was driving over here, this doesn't really have a lot to do with the sermon, but I wanted to mention um, this. So Scott Sauls um, and Stacy Croft and I are the three location pastors. And Scott and I have known each other for a long, long time, almost 20 years. And Stacy and I have known each other for about 10 years. And um, I love those guys. And I, one of the joys for me of being a part of Christ Presbyterian Church is my friendship with these other two pastors. And Scott and his family uh, and his wife took a trip to St. Louis this weekend, and he said, hey, would you preach for me? And uh, it's, it's a joy to be able to do that um, for my friend. And uh, I, I just, so I'm telling you that kind of as a way of just, it's a benediction. I, I, I love this church, and I love what I get to be a part of. So this sermon, uh, this sermon series we've been in, Worship Connect Serve, has been a series where each week we've had one very particular uh, point of application that we have given for each one. And I want to walk through where we have been so far uh, so that we can get to where we are today. Um, we've been, the six sermons are, are two for each of the, the points of worship, connect, and serve. And so for the first two weeks when we we're focusing on worship, we started with this one, be fully present with the church every Sunday. We talked about how in churches in America, the average attendance is a little less than two times a month. And uh, our, our desire was not to say, hey, let's see if we can get that up to two and a half, but let's just see if we can get it up to just come to church every week. Um, and, and the importance of this being that we're, that we're not just attending a service and consuming something, but we're being part of a community and we're finding ourselves. Um, connecting into that community. And so that was the first one. The second one uh, is like it, uh, only this is maybe, if you want to think of it in, in these terms, Monday through Saturday. Um, 
be fully present with Jesus every day. And we talked about some very particular ways to do that, but the goal of this one is that we would be people who would be immersed in scripture and prayer and be growing spiritually in that way. Uh, And then last week, we moved into the connect part of the series, and we started with this one, take every opportunity to gather with your group. And we talked about ways that you can find a group here, ways that you can get connected. Um, But we also just talked about the importance of the church being a place where you're finding, making friends, and deepening those relationships with each other. And the second one then for the connect part, and the one we're focusing on today, is befriend and bring in people who do not have a church home. So we don't want to be a church that grows by poaching from other churches. We're in a city that's growing very quickly. Uh, The stat that people throw around, I don't know if it's still accurate, but it was at a time, was Nashville's growing by about 100 people a day. Um, This is a church, or I mean, this is a city that is filled with people who do not yet have a church home, people who are um, believers and looking for community and they haven't found it, or people who are um, in a spiritual journey and are not sure what it is that they believe and would thrive if they were brought into a community of faith. And we're going to talk about that today. If you've been around Christ Prez for any length of time, there's nothing new about this one. Uh, we, nothing new about any of the others either. But this one, we, we talk a lot, and it's very important to us, that we would be an outward-facing church, uh, that we would be Christians in public, uh, that people would know that we are people of faith, that our faith matters to us, that it forms our life, and that it shapes the way that we live and move and have community. And so those are things that, that are important to us. And so this is the one I want to focus on today is befriend and bring in people who do not have a church home. And what I want to do is pretty simple with this one. I don't, there's nothing, I'm not going to be clever with this. Uh, It's pretty straightforward. Um, What I want to do is I want to talk about befriending and bringing in people who don't have a church home and ask just the simple question, what are we doing when we do that? What are we doing? Why does it matter that we would do this? Is it just, hey, let's see if we can get the numbers up? See if we can get more chairs filled? Let's try to, you know, make sure that we have, you know, a metric, a goal that we set. No, there's a, there's a deeper reason why we would want to be a church that is doing this. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. When I was a sophomore in high school, I lived in a small town in Indiana called Tipton. And um, I became, when I was a sophomore, I became involved in a um, youth group at a church that was... Um, a charismatic church, and it was a church full of students who were on fire for the Lord. Uh, It was a big deal. During that youth ministry, I went and saw Benny Hinn live at a crusade. It was a church that, um, you know, it was a charismatic church. I don't know how else to say it. It was a charismatic church, and I was well-loved by that community. They brought me in. The youth group was the kind of thing where it wasn't just that the youth leaders were on fire for the Lord, that they had a passion for Jesus. It was that the kids did. And I remember we would, um, remember cassette tapes? (laughs) Our praise and worship was listening and singing along to um, Hosanna Integrity worship cassettes. And if you're familiar with these things, they have a fast side and a slow side. And we would do one side and we never knew, is it going to be the fast side? Are we going to be dancing today? Or are we going to be on our knees, you know, like, ugh, really getting into it? And they'd, you know, zoom out and photocopy the lyric page, and we would, oh, that's just such a fun memory. Um, 
And uh, some of those songs have survived. But uh, one of the things I remember, though, as a newcomer to the church uh, was I got invited by a group of people to meet at the church on a Friday night because we were going to go street witnessing in our town. And so the idea was that we would, I'd never done this before, and, and we would huddle up in the youth room and we would pump each other up with, with scripture verses. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And we just, we pumped each other up and we, we got our game faces on. We might as well have been listening to Journeys Don't Stop Believing. And we went into town. And my town growing up was straight out of a John Mellencamp song. It was... Uh, a town where the, it was, the, 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 we drove to Main Street where the boys and their Camaros and their pickup trucks were cruising up and down the strip like David Wilcox sings. It was six lights down, six lights back, pacing like a lion in a cage. And the girls were hanging out at the ice cream place and at the pizza place. And we were going to go there into Main Street and we were going to find people to tell about Jesus and to ask them to believe. And so two by two, because that's how you do it, we went out looking for someone, anyone to walk up to and ask, have you heard the good news? Or, if you died tonight, do you know what would happen to your soul? And after about an hour or two of doing this, we would meet up at the pizza shack and we would share the stories of the evening, of the things that happened. And every once in a while, it was rare, but every once in a while, somebody would say, I led somebody to Jesus tonight. I, I, I shared the gospel and they, and they prayed with me. Now let me stop and ask you a question. Does this make you uncomfortable? I don't know how many of you come from a background of street witnessing, but it's not many of us. Maybe you've done this kind of thing before. And listen, I don't want to just say there's no value in it. And I accept that some forms of this kind of witness have value, but what I can say is that my approach on those Friday nights had a fatal flaw. And the fatal flaw was this, that what we were after was getting people to say, yes, I put my faith in Jesus and to pray a sinner's prayer. But when they said amen, we would congratulate them on, becoming, on having become a child of God, and then we would walk away to go meet our friends at the pizza place. And what we failed to understand was this. To come to faith in Christ is to come into a community of faith in Christ. To come to faith in Christ is to come into a community of faith in Christ. The two are not separated. And speaking for myself, I didn't have a lot of interest, if I'm being honest, in befriending the people I was witnessing to. I didn't want to be their friend. I wanted them to be persuaded. I wanted to win them over so that then I could go back and celebrate with the friends I had. At this church, we're committed to being outward facing with our faith. Every Christian should aspire to be a Christian in public. We believe the city's growing. There's a deepening need for the gospel that's always growing. And so we're asking this question or this, this, this application, befriend and bring in people who do not have a church home. And so the question is, what does that look like? Does it look like the evangelism of my youth? Does it look like 
street witnessing and asking a provocative question, I think our text from Acts gives us a better, deeper vision. What do we see happening in the early church in this passage? As I started to study this passage from Acts 2 about this particular point of application, befriend and bring in people who do not have a church, one of the things that I saw is that what you see the church doing in this passage is you see them doing the three things we've already asked every congregation at Christ Press to do. They're fully present in corporate worship. They're spending time in scripture and in prayer. They're taking every opportunity to gather with their people in their community. That's what's happening. And what happened as a result of them doing this, that community grew. The Lord added to their number every day. So let's see it in the passage. Be fully present with the church every Sunday from the first week of this series. The church grew in their worship of God. Verse 46 tells us they met together for worship daily. And there were both formal and casual parts of their worship, and both were good. The formal parts you see there is they would go to the temple, they would share in the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, and they were devoted to one another in prayer. The casual parts of worship, I love this, is it consisted of meeting in homes, eating, quote, together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And so what the picture is, is you have this group of people and they prayed and they shared and they sang and they ate and they enjoyed each other. And you sense that what was going on was their, their worship was this mix of deep reverence for God, like real reverence for God and a lot of hearty laughter with each other, that there was reverence without pretense pretty beautiful. Be fully present with Jesus every day, we ask. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to scripture. This means that this was not a congregation of people that was gathering together and pooling their spiritual preferences or novel ideas, but instead what they were doing is they were giving attention to the careful study of God's word and to prayer, and they were coming together under the authority and the scope and the instruction of God's word, and that's what they were growing around. They were being present with Jesus through scripture and prayer every day. And then they took every opportunity to gather with their group. They shared everything that they had in common. They were always together. It wasn't communal living, though. This isn't a, an appeal for, for communism because what we see even in verse 6 is they met in different homes. People had homes. They had things. They had resources. What we find is a group of people who were generous with each other. They said, what's mine is yours. If you have need and I can meet that need, I will meet that need. They understood Jesus' teaching from Luke 12 that man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And so they were all with each other. And see the picture here. See what's happening here. Because they're all with each other. And what are they doing? Well, they're invested in one another's well-being. They're in each other's homes. They're up to date on each other's stories. And they're committed to showing up for one another and helping each other where they can. And what formed out of this was a true, deep, intentional community, the kind every one of us wants to be a part of. 
centered around scripture, prayer, devotion to God, devotion to one another. But you see it right here. And that community grew. It grew. How did it grow? Well, it doesn't take, you know, an exegete of the original Greek manuscript to figure out how they grew. They grew this way. They bore witness to what was happening. They talked about it. They had this kind of community that is so exceedingly rare in the world, and they had it, and they talked about it. And people said, I'm interested in that. I want to know more about that. And that really brings me to the heart of what I want to say about befriend and bring in people who do not have a church home. And this is very simple. When we do this, when we befriend and bring in people who do not have a church home, we are not merely inviting people to church. We are inviting them in. We're inviting them in to our community and implicit in the invitation is, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'm inviting you into my community. Verse 47, I love this little detail in scripture. It might just slip right past you, but it's there. It says, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. What I love about this is all the other things that are in this passage, the study, the fellowship, the worship, these are listed as the activities of the people, but their growth is attributed to the Lord, that the Lord added to their number. This is God's work. He's building a community of faith. Does that, though, let us off the hook of befriending and bringing in people who do not have a church home? If you think that it does, you don't understand how God works. God is a God of means, and he works over time. Did people just wander into these church communities like zombie drones, unsure why they were there, and saying, I don't know why I'm here. Maybe you can help me? I mean, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that that happened with one or two. But no, what happened is people talked and they told their neighbors and their neighbors watched because God is a God of means and he uses us. If I opened this microphone right here that Mary Linda was just standing at and said, anybody who has a story of you being connected to the church because somebody invited you into a community, very few people would still be in their chairs. Many of us would have more than one story to tell. We would have several. I had this youth leader. I had this friend in my class. I had this girl I was dating. I had this college professor. I had this stranger walk up to me in the town square with this weird question. <laughs> right? But it's how God works. And what does he do? He gives us friends. He gives us friends. Four months ago, I didn't know Brad Davis. I love Brad Davis. You know how I got to know Brad Davis? The Lord gave him to me. Brought him and his family here to church. And we met. And I love him. And I hope we're friends for the rest of our lives. But God did that. The Lord added to my number. Right? We can go on with these stories over and over again. Listen, evangelism, which is kind of what we're talking about, but it's a word that has a lot of baggage, that's a lot of things that are kind of attached onto it. Evangelism at its basis form for the Christian is truth-telling. It's telling the truth. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses 
in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. What does it mean to be a witness? It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to unpack the four spiritual laws for you or take you down the Roman road. What it means is I'm a firsthand witness to something and I'm going to tell you about it. Something happened to me. I experienced it. It's part of my experience. And I'm going to tell you about that. That's what it means to be a witness, to bear witness, right? Is to say I was there, I saw it. I experienced it. Evangelism is truth-telling. It's giving a reason for the hope that's in us. And it's a process that God is pleased to use, and he uses it over and over and over again. And the beauty of it is he doesn't have to. He, could, he, he can get our attention in a million different ways, and he doesn't need any single one of us. And yet at the same time, what does he say to his people? He says, go, go. Sometimes evangelism looks like standing on a street corner, striking up conversations with strangers, leading somebody through a plan of salvation. But most of the time, most of the time, here's what it looks like. It looks like conversations with people already in your life. A neighbor, a friend, a coworker, a relative. That the Lord populates your lives with people. And evangelism is inviting them in. Saying, I'll, I'll be there and I'll be looking for you. Lifeway did a study a few years ago that I, that I love. Um, I love because it pushes back on the, um, <clears throat> the voices of fear that can come through Christianity when it comes to talking about what it means to be a Christian in America. And the study was basically asking the question, is evangelism offensive? And one of the findings they had was that in general, non-Christian neighbors or people with no current church home will not be offended if you invite them to church. Especially if you have some kind of a connection with them. No matter how small it is, if you have a connection with them. And the reason on its face is actually so logical, it's this. If somebody knows you and they care about you even a little bit, they're going to have some interest in the things that you care about. What do you do? What are your hobbies? Tell me about your family. That's what relationships are. That's what friendships are, right? Is us trading information with each other. And the deeper the friendship goes, the more we get to know about each other. And people are not offended if you say, one of the things that matters to me is this community of faith that I'm a part of, and I'd love to invite you to come and check it out. It's not offensive. Consider what you're inviting them into. Sure, no community of people is perfect, no church is perfect, but if, as a church, we're a community of people that are committed to one another, and we're committed to scripture, which is also a commitment to humility, and we're committed to prayer, and we're committed to growing in our relationship with our maker and our redeemer, that is the community that we're inviting them into when we invite them to church. I know a place. And what we do is we aspire to live under the umbrella of truth and to care for one another and to help each other in need and to encourage one another and to seek truth and to walk in it. And we get together every week. In a lonely world, the church is, and it is a lonely world, the church is meant to be a place where people love one another, 
where they show up for one another, where they walk through seasons of life together. In a world where it can be so hard to make sense of meaning and purpose, and in this world it can be so hard to make sense of meaning and purpose, the church is meant to be a place where people are committed together to learning about our Savior and our all-wise Creator. In a world where it can be so hard to find relational peace, the church is meant to be a place where the community keeps short accounts, where we seek unity, where we confess and we repent as a matter of course and that we forgive. These things are rare in the world. And so when we invite someone to church, the hope is that this is the kind of community we're inviting them into. What we're saying is, listen, I'm a work in progress, but I'm telling you, I've got this place and I've got these people and I'm loved there. And I'm committed to loving them. And I think you would benefit from this community and I believe that you have something of value to also bring to this community. So come and see it. Join me. Now listen, if we don't care about the first three, if we don't care about worship, if we don't take worship seriously or scripture or prayer or community, and all we really are are consumers of the church, then the invitation is going to ring hollow. Because then we're just inviting people to what it is to us, and that is a commodity to consume. A place that we could go a couple of times a month. But when for us, our church is a source of life, and it's a source of peace, and it's a source of personal and spiritual growth and satisfaction in worship and communion around the Lord's table, well, then our invitation invites a person into so much more than just a church service. We invite them into our community, eager to see them taste everything that we've grown to love about it and eager to grow with them. So befriend and bring in people who do not have a church home. The Lord will add to our numbers, not merely to grow a church, but to deepen a community. And we get to play a role in this. And here's the beautiful thing. We get to do it for our entire lives. And that's amazing. Pray with me. Lord, it is a true thing for me to say that when I look around this room, I see friends that are dear to me and that I love, who I didn't know a year ago. And it's because you added to our number as we launched this congregation. And I'm thankful for that. And Lord, I pray uh, that we would be a people who would feel the relief of needing to convert knowing that you're the one who adds, you're the one who calls people to yourself, you're the one who does that work, but at the same time, Lord, would you make us people who want to invite our neighbors and our friends into something that can be healthy. And even as I pray that, Lord, protect us and make us a healthy church. Keep us a healthy church. Make us as individuals, people who keep short accounts and ask for forgiveness and forgive. And... 
Lord, for those that are going to be a part of this community and we stand here a year from now and there are others here that we didn't know about and yet you brought them in because of relationship, because of their next door neighbor inviting them, because of a myriad of different reasons. Lord, we thank you in advance for the, for the friends you're going to give us. And uh, Lord, I thank you that you have, that it was your idea for the church to exist, this body of believers that we would be a part of. May we not make an idol of it, but at the same time, may we not make too little of it either. Uh, that it's your gift to us, that we would not walk alone, but that we would have these communities. Father, I thank you for this congregation, these people that I love, and uh, I ask that you would um, just deepen our unity with each other as we, as we continue to grow in our community, uh, as we continue to reach out. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.